everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with the new Utah Jazz owner, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how are you? Good, Woj. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for jumping in. Let me start here, Ryan. You you bought the Jazz 1.66 in that vicinity, billion dollars. Uh, from the Miller family, you were approved by the Board of Governors just before Christmas. And now you're fully engaged. You're you're the owner of the Jazz. You take over a very good team in the Western Conference. And you grew up a Jazz fan, which I think people have heard about you. But in the short time you've owned the team, Ryan, has there been some like, as you're learning all the things that come with owning an NBA team, is there some perk or something or access that you're like, wow, I didn't know NBA owners got to do this or had access to that in the league? Is there something that surprised you so far that people would know that's kind of cool you get to do or you get to uh, have access to as an NBA owner? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's been a, a, a three-week process here and even a little bit before that because, you know, we announced and we were kind of working through the the transition process. That's not an overnight thing. Um but I, I was pretty close to the team. I mean, I yep. sat there right on the bench next to Greg and the Millers. I always felt like I was part of it. Uh, but probably the biggest surprise is how much time is spent in the practice facility versus the arena. I mean, we focus so much on the arena. And when I took over the team, they hand me a badge and I walk into the practice facility and I was like, OK, like this is where the magic happens. This is where the training happens. This is where the eating happens. And as a fan that was as close to the team as I was not to ever experience that, wait a minute, we're only in, we're only in the arena, right? 40 games or 40 nights a year for on average of four hours, but we're spending the rest of our lives during the year together in that practice facility is really where the hard work takes place. And that that was probably the most surprising or the most interesting uh, aspect of that for me. I am amazed. I it, There's become an arms race among NBA teams, just like in college, with the facilities. And the Jazz is up there with anybody. And then somebody else, you know, comes, they study each other, they take from each other. And then, but yours is remarkable. And like all the little things is I, you know, I've been in there a few times and spent time and like I remember being downstairs with Quinn Snyder and him talking about, you know, the video room where the guys are would always be, you know, block walls like you're in a dungeon. That's sort of the the stories you hear about that in the older, you know, previous days in the league. And he wanted a room with light. He wanted big windows there because you get the press down there. You spend so much time in there or the way you guys like you have like that restaurant kitchen there that guys come through and can order meals and there's like the big fire and like there was even like thought to how they enter the facility, where they come in, where it funnels them to and, and then how they leave. It's, it's really pretty, I, I don't think the average person, cause they don't spend the time there realize. And especially in the pandemic now where you, you know, you're going to spend even more time there because you don't want, you don't want guys out and around. Yours is pretty amazing. Yeah, they the Millers had done a great job going through, I think, a $140 million renovation of both the arena and the practice facility. And I I feel like I just found the best restaurant in Utah. <laughs> and it's sitting in our practice facility. And then 
you know, I think, uh, you know, both Quinn and Steve, who, who had been instrumental in designing it, really thought about it as the way we would design any of our office spaces, mm. right? Where you've seen such a transformation in both tech and the way that we go to work and how we're set up. And I think that will even be further um, enhanced through the pandemic of how we all work together um, and work remotely. Um, and so I think I think our practice facility is just another extension of that. And and I've seen a few of them in the league and I definitely like where, where we've got and the, and the bones of where we can even go to improve on that. Ryan, when you, like you said, you knew the Miller family, you sat there, you had had, you know, it's funny, people see the jersey patches on uniforms in the league, and that's become, it's a big revenue stream for teams, and, you know, essentially everywhere else, it's a product, it's a company. And the Jazz, I think you had to explain to people, what is five for the fight? What does that mean? Is it, and it's, it was a fundraising mechanism for cancer research that you started through Qualtrics your, or around your company. And so you knew all the, you knew the players. The players were doing uh, commercials for you. They were a part of it. They were wearing it on their jersey. You were raising uh, up, you know, over $24, $25 million for it. And, and so that was your entry point into the organization before you even thought, right, about putting, going to the Millers and saying, hey, would you think about maybe selling me the team? Yeah, we, we, we had this idea. The Millers had approached us um, and said, you know, what, what do you think about being the Jersey Pass sponsor? And they, they brought in a jersey with Qualtrics on it. And, you know, a couple of years earlier, we had launched this campaign uh, around crowdsourcing for cancer research. And it started with uh, a gentleman by the name of John Huntsman, who John Huntsman Sr., who had, who had basically developed this entire cancer institute around this and, and you know a, a crazy story to even go back further was you know I was a, a sophomore in college I was working down in LA I was doing an internship and I got a call that no one wants to get which is my father telling me he's got three months to live and I came back I dropped out of school I was going to BYU at the time and I said you know what and my father's got three months there's nothing more important than me spending time with him and he would go to his radiation um treatments. And, you know, there was some doctor up at the Huntsman Cancer Center would come up with a technique that was the least invasive process to be able to get rid of his cancer or, or laser out his cancer. And that saved his life. And through the, the three months that we were together, my father was an academic, he was a scientist. Um, we came up with Qualtrics. And we started this company. So instead of like going and fixing up an old car, we decided we were going to build a tech company and we were going to do it in our basement. And that's grown to be this 20-year run and, and one of the success stories in, in all of tech based on cancer. And I remember at the time going to John Huntsman and saying, hey, like the work you've done saved my father's life and look what's come out of it. If I ever had any money, I'm going to dedicate it towards helping you raise money for cancer. And by the way, the model you've got where you get a bunch of high net worth individuals to go donate big slogs of, of money isn't really sustainable. Like, why don't we develop something that we could get everyone, because this just isn't your fight, John, it's going to impact all of us to, to come up with this. And, you know, I remember before he died, walking in one day and saying, hey, we've got a way to crowdfund cancer research. And we've also got a way to do it with the NBA. 
and he was a huge jazz fan, a huge basketball fan. And he said, I've always been looking at a way to crowdfund it. And I've always been looking for a way to work with the NBA. And you brought me both of those in one day. And we decided that we were going to go all in. It's a principle that we have at Qualtrics. And we're going to go all in on the patch. And we were going to give it away to cancer. And I remember partnering with the Millers when the league's like, can't you just put your logo on it? (laughs) Like, why do you need to mess with this new innovation? And the Millers said, no, like, we just put the team in a trust. We're going to give the the patch to raise money for cancer we said we're going to raise 50 million dollars in three years we've got to 26 million dollars and the whole community's rallied around it and the players have rallied around it i mean last year our new team with boyan and conley hadn't even got together and the very first thing they did was a video shoot it was the very first picture when they got to town at media day was doing something for for cancer research and it's been one of the best and most fulfilling things that we've been a part of and um, you know, Qualtrics renewed the patch last year for the next, you know, the next uh, term. I think it's three more years and it's something that's going to continue and, and we're pretty excited about it. But we saw the good that the platform of the NBA can do because there's no way we would have raised that much money and got that many companies in the community involved um, without the platform of the league. I want to get back to that, Ryan, later and talk about the league's platform and what else you can use it for what people are using it for in the league now, but you buy the team, you agree to a deal, you get approved. And while that's going on, while I think it was just a formality with the board of governors, but you have to sort of wait till the next board of governors meeting and, and uh, you, you get a formal approval, but you can still have some, you can certainly have some interaction with the organization. But while that's going on, your two best players, your two most important players, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, are in talks for contract extensions. What was it like walking in? You're trying to, like you said, you you had a relationship, you knew these guys, but now it's a different relationship as the team's principal owner. And you're working with Dennis Lindsay, the president, and Justin Zanuck, the GM, and the organization. What was that like walking in as owner and the first thing on the docket is, we got to get these guys locked up? Yeah, and I, I knew that. I knew that from July. I mean, it was one of the questions that came up from from me to the Millers is like, okay, where are we at? Like, these are the two key pillars. How's it going? Like, how do we build stability in the organization? And in reality is, is like, we want to build around Don and we want Rudy to be here long term. Now they were different phases. One was in their second contract and one was in their third. And, um, you know, we, I sat down, one of the first meetings I had with Dennis and Justin and, and Q and Steve, and, and part of them is trying to understand my style, and we're not even announced yet, plus we've got a truncated free agency period um, with COVID. It, it, it was kind of a pretty crazy time to come in and take over um, a team, and to the Miller's credit, they said, hey, look, this is probably one of the most important things that we're going to be doing as a franchise um, you need to lean in here because you're going to have to live with it for the next while. And so, um, but for me personally, it was, pri- and, and the organization, um, it was priority number one, two, and three to say, hey, look, we have a chance to obviously compete. I mean, you saw what happened in the bubble. I think everyone, every one of the Jazz fans were also laying on the floor with Donovan <laughs> at the end of the game going, oh my word, like we got a good team. And um how do we keep it together and how do we keep the pillars together? And, and with me as a new and our ownership group is to come in and to have a chance to, to take over with 
such a great staff. Um, and then the good fortune to have a young player like Donovan, who his best years are definitely ahead of him. And then Rudy does so many unique things on the floor that we see in Utah. And we build that that operation around and our, our offense around and Quinn sees it. Um, it was priority number one, two and three to get those done. And um, to be able to look back and say, wow, we came in, we bought the team, we transitioned, we're dealing with COVID. And we did that. Um, and then on top of that, to have, you know, JC and Jordan Clarkson wanting to come back to Utah, having Derek Favor say, I'm coming home, have Rudy saying, hey, I want to be here. Um, that that speaks volume about the organization and what they've done um, and wanting to play for Q. And and we need to take that to the next level. And that's that's my job and our ownership group's job to 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 make that become you know, what everyone wants to do. And I think Utah is an absolutely special place. And, and I think we're just getting started here. Ryan, when you think about, and when you thought about what your role is as owner and the kind of owner you want to be, how much has that thinking evolved as you spend more time with your front office and more time with your head coach and more time with your, your players to understand what it is they need from an owner to make this whole thing work? Has your thinking evolved about what exactly, how you should operate as an owner, how you want to operate? And and uh, has that changed even in a couple months that you've kind of been hunkered down with these guys? I don't, I don't know that it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't have very high expectations going in because I knew the strength of the organization. I mean, we have, we have phenomenal leaders in this organization and I'm just pretty fortunate to be able to come in with an organization like that. Um, I, I also knew that I'm going to have to find my rhythm, whatever that is. And, and I've, I've run an organization with 4,000 employees and it's a pretty big tech organization with 25 offices globally. I, I know that I've seen leaders come in and I seen them do the right and the wrong thing. Um, I just want to add value. And I think there's value in, in myself and our ownership group that we can definitely add it it connecting more of Utah, connecting globally, taking the brand, telling the right story of really what's going on in Utah, and then backing our, our leadership. And reality is, is my job's probably to make one or two or three really difficult decisions a year and just be there to support Q and support our players and, and help them both on and off the court here in Utah with, with whatever I, I possibly can. And, um, you know, Dennis and, and Justin have operated in, in a little bit more of a, they haven't had someone like me, I would say, yeah. in the organization, and they've done extremely well. I'm taking over the the second winningest organization or franchise in the last 30 years. I mean, not a lot's been broken, but I think, um, I would just say, I think we're going to have to probably get a little more aggressive as we think about how to take this to the next level, mm. um, especially in a league where we've got a lot of owners that, are well-funded and want to win. And that's no secret to, in today's market, um, given where, where teams are at. And I think there's a lot of stars in the league as well. And so I, I like where we are. I think we, we need to thri- thrive and strive to get better. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, 
They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. You know, people like to, they like to, I think even with owners, they like to put them in categories, right? There's the hedge fund guys, and then there's, you know, kind of the family heirloom group, and then there's the tech guys, and that was Mark Cuban, that was Steve Ballmer, now Ryan Smith is in that group, and I know you got to know Cuban uh, prior to buying the team. Did you look around and say, even if it was outside the NBA, and say, hey, I like how they're running a pro sports team, or how that owner has integrated themselves into the whole thing. Did you have some role models in that way? Do you, do you find some people now you're even asking questions about and studying and looking at and saying, is there something to take from there? Well, I think, I think, you know, the comparisons are definitely look coming out. Um, they, they're coming out for a couple of reasons. Number one is my journey is very similar to Cuban's journey or Balmer's journey from, from the world we come from. Um, you know, I'm probably a lot newer to it because I'm still operating in that world. Um, you know, we've got we've got a lot going on in that world as well. Um, but I, I think I probably wanted to pat- and still want to pattern off of organizations. And you know, I look at some of these organizations, whether it's the the Celtics last week, where they lowered their banners as the backdrop of of up behind the hoops in the COVID area. I saw the Lakers do it. I saw Golden State do it last night. <laughs> um, reality is, is th- that's really what we're missing. And we've got to go, we've got to go model in that way. As far as a well-run organization, I put the jazz and what the Millers have done. Um, um, and, and that's, that's respect around the league. I mean, I was on the ownership call when, when Gail was saying goodbye and they were introducing me and to watch, you know, 10 different owners, you know, tear up a little bit and say, hey, what the Millers have meant to the NBA and what the Millers have meant and what Larry meant to to my father or other people who were coming out. Um, it, it, they, they've really done a class class act job. And, in, in, you know, even in Utah, it's, it's I always say it's a Barack Obama quote that they've always they've always gone high when people have gone low. And um, to be able to kind of continue that legacy and then put a, a different or my spin on it. Um, you know, the one thing I've learned just from from all of this is is I've already got a management style. I, I already am who I am a little bit on the way I roll. And, you know, I'm just going to be Ryan Smith. And it's a lot easier for everyone. There's one story. There's one <laughs> truth. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. And um, let's get to work. And that's that's really you know, it's it's been a successful model for the last 20 years. And I don't know everything. I'm going to make mistakes. But we're going to figure it out. And, um, you know, I bet on people and, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to take risks as well. You sold Qualtrics to AS to SAP two years ago for $8 billion. And now there's, you're headed toward an IPO, which might be another, it's been reported 12 or 13, $14 billion. A couple of years later, you, you did that in Utah. Typically some tech companies, they go to California your stayed there. And I think part of right what Qualtrics did was, I think 
simplifying it, right? Like part of it is helping companies with sort of their customer, their user experience, employee experience, helping with experiences. And that's sort of, I imagine there might be some of that translates to the NBA, whether that's fan experience or, and you mentioned it earlier, player experience. And that's, you know, for the Jazz, it's been, like you said, it's been a winning organization and they found the guys who fit, who have loved playing there, who've committed and stayed and others left. Gordon Hayward left in free agency and, and wanted something wanted something else. But but how much of your job is figuring out what that formula is to, to make that experience everything it can be and, and what translates from your business, from your companies? Yeah, it's been an interesting ride. I think I think if uh if I look at Utah and, and I'll get to Utah in a second, but you know, we work with twelve thousand brands at Qualtrics and and we help them design an experience or improve the experience they already have. And if you look at disruption in the world, it's normally someone coming in to a market that's already established and building a different experience on the pieces of that market, whether it's Uber coming into the hotel or to the taxi experience, whether it's Airbnb coming in and saying, Hey, look, I think there's a new hotel experience out there. And, um, and then everyone kind of sits back and go, yeah, like, why were we renting videos from Blockbuster? Like, we could have Netflix at our home. That's a way better experience for everyone. Or DoorDash is now delivering. And so disruption truly happens in those experience gaps. And so I naturally come into Utah and say, okay, what are the experiences that we have here? And we have a fan experience. Um, we have a brand experience, um, both inside and outside of the state. We have um, a player experience, not only our existing players, but our, our players that are coming in who are our next free agents that the second they get off the bus, what's that experience like and what, what do we want people to experience and how do, we, how do we actually call that shot? And then, you know, we also, we also need to win. And that's no matter what the experience is, like winning is a great experience. And so um, I naturally look at the, the opportunity from the experience lens and, you know, I've already started to say, hey, where can we improve? And that, that's not that the Millers weren't focused on that. It's just we always need to be improving that experience. And there's always another level that we can take on that experience from the practice facility, from our, from our health and training um, to, to the food and the family room, right? Like all of that's, all of that's part of that. Now, when it comes to Utah, um, you know, I think a lot of people have asked me is like, hey, how does it feel taking over in a small market? What do you think about small markets? And, and reality is, is the experience from the tech side is not a small market. We are we are a, a six out of 10, last six out of 10 years, we are um, top three in business growth. We are the number one economy last year, the lowest unemployment, um, the amount of people that are moving here. If you look at tourism with skiing and hospitality, we have probably a hundred celebrities right now up in Park City and in, in Deer Valley skiing and vacationing. Um, we're going to have the Olympics here. We've got the all-star game coming. Um, if you look at what goes on in Southern Utah, um, if you look at, you know, the airport, like Rudy can go to sleep at five o'clock on a flight and wake up in France the next, the next morning. Um, we're, we're a bigger market, in a lot of different areas. And so I think there's, there's definitely a story that we can, we can tell from an experience standpoint and actually um, 
bring those worlds together because they're a little bit fragmented. And reality is, is they, they didn't exist seven or eight or 10 years ago. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time up in Park City and not one of my neighbors is from Utah. They're all from California or everywhere else. And, and the, the migration out of these super cities to Utah and other places, especially during the pandemic, we are in hyper growth mode. So, you know, you, you can barely find a house here right now and, and the price is definitely going up. So there's a lot going for the state. And when you add that many people and the type of individuals who are coming here over the last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, um, especially with the tech growth, I mean, I think we have more IPOs and more funding coming in than New York City right now. And so we're definitely, but but we need to work on the media side and we work need to work uh, um, on creating a better experience in a lot of different areas. And that's one of the things we're focused on. So we are super bullish on Utah. And I, I think the partners that I have joining me with Ryan Sweeney at Excel and the the you know number one, number two venture capital firm in the world going, hey, we're bullish on the jazz. We're bullish on Utah. Or Mike Cannon Brooks in Australia, who's built the largest company, um, tech company in Australia. And we're, we're young. I mean, we're 40, 41, 42 um, coming in. And we, we've got the next 30 years to go build this experience out. And we're pretty excited because the jazz are the largest really platform in the front door to the state. When you look at the experience of Black players in Utah, African-American players in Utah, in Salt Lake. Is that part of your challenge about if there's a perception of what it is versus the reality? Is that something that has been at the forefront of your planning, your thinking, your conversations with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and your players, your coaches, your front office? Is, is that been at the forefront since you've taken over? Yeah, I think I think as we look at the experience of Utah, we're looking at all the experiences. And and I think, you know, some of the work that we've done at Qualtrics has been pretty impressive here. We've been relocating about 400 different people a year here for the last four or five years and, you know, getting a much more diverse crowd, a di- diverse group. And, and we've kind of seen what works and what doesn't work. And so as we think about everything we're doing as an organization, it's definitely top of mind. I think that, you know, coming into the organization and, and frankly, the NBA, I think there were a lot of questions for a lot of people saying, hey, what does the movement that's, that's gone on and how can I go and help support our players and how can I support our team? Um, but a couple of things surprised me when I got into the organization. Number one is our fans are really, truly behind our players. Now, there's people on social media who I don't know if they're fans or not, but as I jumped into the data, we were a top four team in ticket renewal. We had one cancellation of a suite that was pretty vocal um, about about some of the use of the, the platform of the league. I want to touch on that, Ryan. You talked about there was a company that had had a suite in your arena for a very long time who was very public about the fact that they were no longer, they weren't going to renew the suite. They felt like they couldn't support the Jazz uh, as long as the NBA and the Jazz were supporting Black Lives Matter. And Donovan Mitchell, who has been a leader among not just players with the Jazz, but around the league, you know, he tweeted at, there was I think there was a story in your local media about it, and Donovan tweeted at it, hey, it's your right to do that, essentially walk away, just like it's our right, just like it's ours, meaning our right to kneel. And and you tweeted over that, and you said essentially, listen, it'll be easy to fill the suite with all the amazing companies in Utah, and if the Utah Jazz can't, I'm happy to 
take it over and give it to underrepresented and minority groups this season. So you did it there. You have done it publicly since you bought the team. You've made it pretty clear where you stand, how you stand, and that if, you, if you're not going to stand for these human rights, if you're not going to stand for these values, then you're fine with somebody like if that means they don't want to buy a ticket or they don't want to buy a suite or they don't want to watch the jazz, you're accepting of that because it seems like this is a value for you that you're not going to compromise on. Let me tell you how I've gotten there personally. I looked at my own organization. We have offices in 25 different locations around the world. And we are about as innovative as any company I've seen as far as how we treat people, how we um, change the work environment, and how we use the platform to do good. And as we got through on over the last couple of years on where we've been focusing, whether it was gender equality, whether it was pay, in tech, if I were just to say to a ratio standpoint, we were spending probably 50 to one efforts on other things as opposed to um, social justice issues. And I truly believe that we have platforms to do good in systemic racism or unconscious bias around racial issues or social issues. It's real. We had it within our own organization and it wasn't that people were consciously trying to do something. It's just, we weren't active in saying, hey, we're gonna go use our platform to drive systematic change. And we have equity problems across pay, across race, within our communities. And I just wanna look back and say, hey, I did everything I possibly could to make the world a more equitable place. And I'll just tell you, like, we have not been doing everything we possibly can. And people have been using the platform of the NBA to go and and drive that change. And, you know, I think the one thing that doesn't get talked about is how the players came together to have a very constructive voice around getting people out to vote. They weren't telling people how to vote. They were saying, hey, come out and vote. And we drove more people than ever to vote. And I think the NBA has a big, big piece of pride that they should have in that of using the platform to do good. That is a very kind and honest and earnest ask for folks. And our group plans on using the jazz to, in this platform, to be able to drive proper change that frankly should have been done a long time ago, but to help better our communities. And one of the things that we're doing is for every jazz win this year, we're offering a four-year scholarship to an underrepresented or minority kid who can now go to college for every single win. And that is a great use of this platform to drive change. And we're going to continue to build out our community. And I, I stand with our players and I just couldn't be more proud of, of how the NBA is coming together. And I think that we're going to affect change for the good. And that's, I, look, I've seen it with cancer. There's not a better platform in the world to drive change. And I look at what we've done and we have nine new cancer researchers sitting at Huntsman Cancer, walking around with a five for the fight row. We're going to have hopefully 60 new college kids out there that wouldn't have had a chance to go to college. And so we're excited about how to leverage the platform to do good. And this is good. Yeah, I think you're you're announcing that initiative I think formally this week. I think this is the first time you're talking about it publicly. I know your players know about the initiative. I had heard that there was a win in the preseason and guys were coming to you like, does this count toward the scholarships, which apparently it does, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and it was interesting because we talked to everyone about it, about what we're going to be doing this season. And we're going to be doing a lot more. That's just one of the initiatives we have on the education front. We've got something to have much more equitable healthcare, economic opportunity. And we've got these task forces that are created where people in the organization, players can get involved. And I hope it brings people together. I hope other companies can get on and partner with the Jazz to help maybe create a lot more than just however many scholarships we're going to do, but we're going to lead out. And it's not only to give folks money who wouldn't have had a chance. It's also like a lot of people don't know how to get the process going of getting into college. And, and I've talked to enough universities. I started, you know, our tech company by only targeting universities. And so we've worked with almost every university out there and we're going to pair them together. It's going to be a marketplace where, you know, we will go to university and say, hey, we want five or six scholarships guaranteed where we're going to bring kids who have never had a chance to do this into your university and we're going to help cover the cost. Will you accept them or is there something we can do? And I think that the opportunity has never been greater for that. And, you know, Joe and I think Don, they were asking like, OK, we had a preseason win. They're like, does that count as one? And I'm like, yeah, that counts. A win's a win. And reality is we're, we're just trying to, to drive change and you know, I would rather talk less and just act more right now. And this is a great signal of action. And, you know, just like the players encouraging to vote, that was just such a great action oriented move. And that's exactly what the intention was of taking a combined voice and using the platform to do good. Ryan, you, you have, you've been public about this. You, you talked to Glenn Taylor in Minnesota uh, about buying the Timberwolves. They've been sort of on and off the market in recent years. They seem to be back on it. They are back on it now. How close did you come to buying the Timberwolves? If you had kept pushing at it, do, do you think you could have gotten a deal there and, and this may have never happened? <laughs> well, yeah, I felt like I was really close um, because Glenn and I got along really well. And I think that um, I talked to Adam a bunch about, you know, you know, my interest in the league. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it came down to my wife and she was like, Hey Ryan, like, I don't know if you realize this, but the real time we get together is when we drive up to a jazz game and our, our kids, I got five little kids. We're like, Hey, like we, we all are jazz fans. And, you know, I know you think Minnesota is only two hours away, but I just don't, I know you and I know how hard you're going to want to dive in. Like, I've been around you for a long time. <laughs> like, I don't see that you're shorting all of your time that you're saying you're going to be spending. You're going to want to be involved and, and you're going to want to put your little touch on it. And, and reality is, is I went to Gail Miller and I said, Hey, like, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, would you ever be open to even a minority or sliver of the jazz? And she said, no, <laughs> like I wouldn't be. And this is in February. And you know, Glenn couldn't have been more of a gentleman. I called Glenn and said, hey, look, man, like reality is, is I'm a jazz fan. And I love the idea of being part of the league. The league's so contagious. I'm such a basketball fan. And even if this is my only chance ever, um, I'm a jazz fan. And so I called the Millers and was just like, well, we'll be the best damn owners or the best damn fans that you'll ever see here. We're behind you all the way. And then like we really burned the boat. We said, we're going to be in Utah and we're going to be Utah fans. And, and 
you know, something happened in July where I just kept pushing a little bit and one thing lined up and a, and a soccer team came available and I talked to the Millers, would you want to be in it with me? And, and reality is they were like, well, no. And I said, well, how about if I buy the soccer team and then we put it together with the Jazz? And, and they said, well, if we're going to do a little piece of the Jazz, we're going to do the whole thing. And I said, well, are you, is that an option? And they said, are you making an offer? And I literally pulled out my phone and looked at the Forbes evaluation, which I don't think Forbes really intends to do this. But <laughs> I said, well, there's your offer for the Jazz. And they took it back and it was accepted. And that's literally how it went down. And, um, you know, Gail was super nice. And she just said, hey, look, we, we trust you and Ash. And we know you're going to be great stewards on this. And, um, you know, we hope you're the same age as, as Larry and I were. And we hope that you can continue for the next 30, 35 years just like we did. And I hope it's a positive thing for you and your family. And you guys have a lot of fun. And um, we're behind you the whole way. And so... That's that's really how it happened in a weird way. Like, I don't know if the message is listen to your spouse and those around you <laughs> because they know better. But, um, you know, Minnesota's got a great team. It would have been an awesome experience probably. But um, I'm a jazz fan. I have been my whole life. And, you know, in talking to to Adam, you know, I think one of the things that he said, he's like, Ryan, like if, if someone's lucky enough to be a part of the NBA, um, th- that's one thing. But very, very few people ever, ever, ever have a chance. It's, it's extremely rare that they, they get to be a part of their team, the team they grew up rooting for. Was there any part of Adam Silver at the time when you shared with him, hey, I'm going to back away from this Minnesota thing, I, and for the reasons you just explained, did he, was, or anybody else around this industry that says to you, hey, listen, everybody wants to own an NBA team. Very few become available you you you're right at the precipice of getting this. You can't walk away from this. I mean, did you hear some of that? I I remember specifically remember calling Adam and saying, "Hey, Adam, like, I I'm in Utah. I like I I can't do this, and I know that this might be the opportunity. And I cannot believe I'm even making this phone call. And I just explained the story and said, "Hey, look, we're we're about Utah and." He could not have been more gracious. He said, Ryan, like, don't do this unless you're totally committed and passionate about it. Um, and you can you can really make that time commitment to be up there. And, and I, I had a lot of respect. I think it was interesting because, you know, he said when we called that it was probably out of 30 teams, probably the last call he would ever expect um, with the Jazz. And so um, – life's long. And I think you just, you know, as young as I am, I also am trying to learn as much as I can through experiences like that, that, you know, you don't need to force everything. And, um, you know, fortunately timing was right. And fortunately Qualtrics has been pretty successful and I was in a spot to, to be able to make a move. And that's, that's pretty exciting. Listen, you grew up a jazz fan. I, I imagine you have like a bunch of friends that you've had, lifelong friends who you grew up together as jazz fans. Jazz have limited, you're one of the teams in the league that are have allowed limited fans in. Uh, but there'll come a point where you can fill your building again and do all that. A, I'm sure you, everybody wants tickets. You're going to be their hookup now. But how much do you get now from your friends that you grew up with jazz fans? Hey, make this trade, do that. What do you, like, what do we, like, how much of that stuff are you getting so far? I, I really haven't. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm surprised. Um, 
you know, people are pretty supportive. I mean, no one said a word, but, you know, when, when Donovan still got done and, and Faves came back and JC and Rudy, um, I've just seen excitement and, and people really excited. And I think the, the tickets and the sponsorships are, are all coming around that. And, you know, I hope, I hope these guys feel the support of Jazz Nation. And reality, it's been, it's been a weird season. I mean, you know, if I think about our players and our guys, they haven't had, you know, we're, we're, we've got one of the most active, loudest fan bases in the country. Mm-hmm. And everyone talks about it. And not hearing that group cheer for you for, you know, almost a year is, is different. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. different. And um, I think it's, it's been cool to have limited players in the arena. Um, and all I've heard from folks who have come in is I didn't realize how much I needed this. I've had people just DM me and text me and say, my soul needed this more than I knew. And um, the way we're spreading out with 1,500 fans, um, it's, you know, from a safety protocol standpoint, um, it's pretty impressive what our team's done to get ready and um, our, our staff in the arena. Um, it feels incredibly safe. I mean, I, I felt a lot safer um, inside the arena than I have at a grocery store, a convenience yeah. store, or, or other places because it's such a large space. Um, so yeah, well, Ryan Smith, the new owner of the Utah jazz and jazz are off to a, a good start. This is going to be, this is, this is, uh, Mike Connolly's playing, uh, has gotten off to a great start, which is important for this team. And your star players have been your stars. This is, this is going to be a fun season. And hopefully by the end of it, Ryan, you'll have in an arena. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have packed arenas by the end of the season but probably maybe perhaps have more than 1500. So good luck the rest of the way this year. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to visit here and, uh, and happy new year, Ryan. Yeah. You too. Well, thanks for all you do, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj pod. A big thank you to our guest today, Utah jazz owner, Ryan Smith. You can listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj pod, wherever you get your podcasts, Be sure to also listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe and The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.